short period of time that, you know, that it's this window. And, and I was saying in the year prior, she could make vows and those prior to her bat mitzvah that were overseen by her father. Um, and if she was found to be wise mm-hmm. and, and, and mature and, and making decisions, she understood the consequences of, then they would, he would let them stand. Okay. So. But that still was his decision. It was his decision. But, but again, for that six period of time, okay. six month period of time, it wasn't. Like for as long as long as she lived in his home, but he had the final say. Pride, because she wasn't an adult at that right. point. Okay, it's kind of like we don't let minors sign contracts. Right. Or Right. And and if you think about it, in a sense it's very similar because if your child <laughs> under the age of eighteen signs a contract, <laughs> as the parent, within a certain period of time after you find out about it, you have the right to go to court and nullify right. that contract. Right. We still have this okay. right. Okay, so it's it's more look at it more like that, and you go, oh well, that makes sense because yeah. kids do dumb things, you know. <laughs> but really, we have it till they're eighteen. Right. So that's a long. This was six kids. months after she bought, bought mitzvah. This was till she was thirteen or twelve and a half. Wow. Okay. So so the second part of it is, um, it says if she shall be married to a man and her vows were upon her or an utterance of her lips by which she had prohibited something upon herself and her husband heard. And on the day of his hearing, he was silent about her. Then her vows shall stand and her prohibitions that she established upon herself shall stand. But if on the day of her husband's hearing, he shall restrain her and he shall revoke the vow that is upon her or the utterance of her lips by which she had prohibited something upon herself, then God will forgive her. So now it sounds like, oh, so then she gets married and he gets to make all the decisions. Mm. But it's not. It's saying... Any vow or oath that she made prior to the marriage, when he finds out about it, he can speak up and say, no, let's talk about this. This isn't going to work. So, so, um, and it's, and it's not it's not nece- it's not intended and it wasn't understood to be in a dogmatic you know I'm the man way right. it's not like a, a caveman kind of thing what make right because in our mo- we would never use these words in our modern right. day or if we did we would mean that yeah <laughs> but what it's what it's saying is um says the Torah refers to kiddushin or the engagement, the first step in marriage, a legal state that we don't have an equivalent in the English language. They don't live together until after the second phase of the marriage ceremony called the Nesuin, but the woman is legally bound to her future husband and is liable to the death penalty if she commits adultery. So during this period, she is neither fully married nor under her father's full authority. Consequently, the father and groom share authority over her vows, um, but meaning her vows are upon her. The case is that she made vows before her marriage. And her father hadn't heard about them, you know, or revoked them or um, or not approved them. You know, or in, in a sense, if she goes into the marriage or, you know, she's going into the marriage with this vow. And and I kind of used, when I was talking with the kids, Eli, I used your sister kind of on the opposite side of that where when when she met her now husband, he had committed to a job with the military. And when she sat down with him and said, I don't think we should go further. I really, you've said that this is important to you that you want to do this for your career. I don't want to be a military wife. And he said, 
well, hang on. I made that decision before I met you. You're the game changer. I'll walk away from that. That's not important to me. You are. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, when Bill and I, when we got married, the church that we were in had had this big pledge drive, and I won't even go into that whole feelings about that. But but this whole pledge drive committing for this building fund, and he had committed to an amount as a single man, and I had committed to an amount as a single woman. And when we got married, we were trying to pay both amounts. Mm-hmm. And, and our combined budget and the changes we had made in order to create our life together, it was killing us. Mm-hmm. So we prayed about it, figured out what amount we could give, called the church, and said we need to change. They were not happy about that. They tried to guilt us into it. Well, you no. made these promises. At the time, I didn't know that churches take those pledges, and that's what they take to the bank to get loans. Oh. You know, like I said, a whole big thing opened up with learning that. But because to me, it it was about praying and seeing what I could do and realizing that when we came together, we needed to consider our everything had changed. It's a new situation. And so and again, I just I would I think of vows and all that thing so differently now, almost 20 years later. So um, so if she you know, if she's coming into the marriage and saying, okay, so this there's this vow and he's like, Oh, I can't, I can't agree with that. Then she's released from it. Mm, Okay. But if she's, if she's, um, if she's a widow or a divorcee, then, then whatever she says stands. Um, and then see where it's verse 11. Okay, to cause the husband's so so, and then it does say if she's if she's in her husband's home and she takes a vow upon herself, he can nullify it. But again, it's restricted in that uh, the husband's authority is restricted to vows that might cause the woman personal discomfort, or which might affect the relationship between husband and wife. The parameters of his authority are very closely defined in um, in in the Talmud. So, in other words, if she commits to something and he says, "I don't want to see you suffer like that." then she, she can be released from it. Um, or if she commits to something that is going to directly affect him and, and their relationship and cause strife, then, then he has a right to speak into it. But it's not, it was never, it was never discussed or intended to be in this dogmatic, no, you may not do it, but in a part of a caring and a loving and, and a mutually loving relationship. Um, and ideally, you know, husband and wife would be talking to each other about what they're vowing. So they still adhere to that today. Um, in Orthodox homes, they do. And and yeah, and and there are times, and you know, modern Judaism, being as young as modern Christianity, mm-hmm. there there are some communities where it does have that you yeah. know patriarchal me macho man, yeah. and so people look at that today and go, well, that's, that's what it means. means. It's yeah. like, well. That's how it's being applied in some communities today. That doesn't mean that's what it means. And it doesn't mean that God's okay with that. Right. So, so keeping that in mind that, you know, everyone today is reading it and, and doing it. And then it goes back to the whole thing with the Midianites. So this is, this is what God tells Moses to teach them right before God tells them, now gather an army and go after the Midianites because of what they did to you. And then you're going to die. <laughs> so he tells them, he's like, teach them about the oaths. That's, a, that's important. Teach them that. And then we're going to have a war, and then you're dead. You're going to come back to me. And so, um, you know, they're all gathered together, and they go in against the Midianites. And This is after the guys just come out. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is all in response to all of that. And they go in, and they kill all the men, 
and they take all the women and the children and all the animals and all the loot and the booty, and then they burn everything down, and they go back, and they're all proud, you know, going before Moses, and Moses is looking around going, um, guys, these are the women who came over to tempt you into adultery. What are they doing here? Yeah. Why did you bring them back? Why are they not dead too? The whole point was that sin had to be done. Right. And and they're like, oh wow. So so you know all all of the all of the women who had come and and brought that in, you know, were were taken care of. And and then this is where you know I, I we were talking about the whole idea of the the, the young kids and the women and everything. Um, being kept there. And, and to us, it's this picture of slavery. But if you think about it in a practical ancient world way, where were they going to go? Mm-hmm. All the adults were gone and all of their town was burned. Yeah. Yeah. Would it be more loving to go? Good luck to you. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're going home now. <laughs> you know, they took them, they provided for them. They cared for them. They took them into their homes. If at any point they, they, wanted to become part of the community they did and they became full members of the community if at any point you know they embraced the the torah and they said i i want to be a part of this community then that was great at a certain point if they became an adult and wanted to leave they could leave it, so it was all right with that it, yeah yeah, which is why a lot of times, you know, and pe- there's another people go, oh, they couldn't marry. God was against interracial marriage. No, God was against interfaith marriage. Mm-hmm. Because Ruth and Boaz was an interracial marriage right. that God blessed and had in the line of Messiah. Mm-hmm. But it was not an interfaith marriage. Ruth, had, Ruth had already denounced her pagan right. ideas right. and embraced God. Mm-hmm. Right. And once you're part of the kingdom, it doesn't matter what your skin color, what your country of origin, what your people, nothing, you are now part of the kingdom. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so, so, um, yeah, Moses' wife. Right. You know, uh, all through, all the, uh, uh, Rahab mm-hmm. from Jericho comes mm-hmm. in and, and she's, I think, the mother of the grandmother, mother of Boaz. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so God, God's all about interracial marriage. He's fine with that. That's all good. All good. <laughs> what he made is all. Right. It's all good. <laughs> As long as you love the same God, that's the important thing. So, so, um, you know, so they're bringing them in and they're taking care of them. Are they, are they working in their homes? Are they working on their property? Yeah, but so is everybody else in the household. It's not like, it's, it's just not the picture of it. it, There's no support in it for, for slavery as Mm -hmm. we see it in modern times. And as we've experienced in our country, it's nothing like it. And so, um, so God, God tells them, you know, to, to take, take stock of everything that they've got. And then it's really neat that the commanders of the thousands and the legions and officers of the thousands, the officers of the hundreds approached Moses. And they said to Moses, we took a census of the men who went to war. We didn't lose anybody. We all came back. We want to give an offering that expresses our gratitude from our personal bounty of what we took, you know, because Moses had counted everything that was the communities. And they're like, we want to give more because we're so thrilled. We all came home. You know, so, so they do, they put that together and it's this very, very, very large offering. Um, and, and so, you know, there's more going on in there, but that's kind of, that's what we had studied out this week before, before we, this is, this is a very long Torah portion for, um, 
you know, for, for the kids. We didn't do it in one sitting and we didn't quite get to finish, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's really neat. This is, this is the thing. This is why I like to go back and look at the context and think, okay, I, I'm having my very real reactions to what this says. And I believe this is the word of God. So either I'm not understanding correctly and, and I might not be understanding the intention or the text or maybe my modern sensibilities. And there are lots of things where I do for years. I just go, yeah, I, I can't, I can't integrate that yet. We're going to just set that aside. Yeah. yeah we're just going to, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I don't have whatever I need to be able to, understand it because because I really think you know if, if God is the the God of order and chaos is is the absence of that then if I'm feeling chaos in response to something I'm reading I'm not understanding God from it and if I can't understand where God is in it and what God's saying through it that's okay but it's not a problem with God and it's not a problem with the text I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. It's okay to set things aside and go, it looks grisly. <laughs> I'm not sure how to get the meat out of that yet. We'll get back to that. You know, I was talking about the big file of things I don't even think I understand. We're just going to put that over there. And I mean, how many times have I read through this passage and even through the notes and gone, okay, I'm kind of getting it. And then this time when I read it, I have a teenage daughter who's mm-hmm. bought mitzvahed mm-hmm. since the last time I really deeply read that. And now I'm going, oh, okay, that's different. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you know, there's lots of things that you go back to and work away, work your way around. And, and that's, that's how we grow. right. And that's the amazing thing. That's why unlike any other book, this is not the book you read once and put away and think you, yeah, I know the storyline. We're good. You know, <laughs> I got the Cliff Notes version. We're all right. We're all right. I can pass a test. You know, <laughs> maybe a written test, but maybe not a life test. No, maybe exactly. <laughs> it's more like the car manual that should be in the glove compartment yeah. all the time. Cause, cause when we're driving in the middle of the night and some light comes on, I've never seen. And I go, Oh my gosh, what's that light? <laughs> and I've got Fiona digging through with a phone light going, it says tire pressure low. I'm going to get off the road, right? Sure. Yeah. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. If we didn't have that there, I wouldn't have known. So, so it's the car manual. It's the owner's manual where you go, I might need this as a reference book. But I, I think, and I think that, you know, and I think that when we look at Yeshua interpreting everything properly, and his point is, stop making oaths. <laughs> Don't worry about how you're going to nullify them. If you're trying to worry, and that, that was one thing that I had gotten before. If you're all worried about who gets to nullify it and when and why, Maybe that's the wrong discussion. If you're even thinking that somebody's going to need to nullify it, maybe don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Saying. You know, and and I and also keeping in mind that that you can make short-term vows mm. and short-term oaths or you can do things without them being a vow. Yeah. You know, yeah, but I learned that. if you think that the only thing that's going to keep you doing it is to make a vow, that's probably not going to keep you doing it. And you've brought judgment on yourself. Exactly. And that's what Yeshua is trying to say to them. You're making these vows. 
thinking that it's going to make you do these things. And it's if you weren't already going to do it, it's not going to make you do it. Exactly. So why not? Wait till the end of the season and then go, all season long, I've been wanting to give these 100 cattle. I'm going to go give them right now. It's easier to do it that way. Which is what James says. Stop saying, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there. Maybe if the Lord allows it, I'm going to go here and go there. Yeah. Because if you don't go here or go there and you vowed, you're in trouble. (laughs) Shouldn't have done that. And so, and I, we talked, the kids and I talked, there's lots of things that people vow. And, and you see it on TV all the time, you know, Lord, if you get me through this, I vow to, and as soon as they get out of it, they're like, um, JK, you oh, know. It's, I've been those thoughts over. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's like, and, yeah. and I think God knows our heart. And thankfully, Yeshua did bring grace for everything. But that's why, that's why we pray in the Yom Kippur prayers. Any vow or oath that I made this past year, please release me from it. Mm. And any vow or oath that I make this next year, please know it's my impulsive human nature talking. And if I don't fulfill it, please don't hold it against me. I mean, that's 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 what that prayer is saying. Okay. It's saying, I'm looking back on this year going, I made vows I didn't keep. Because those vows are on par with Torah, I have to confess that. And, and vows to other people are not covered by that. So the vows are covered. The vows to God. So like if you pledge to give money. And you've and gotten to the end of the year and you just you don't have, have that money. Mm-hmm. That you to, that's a pledge to God. Oh, okay. What about vows to yourself? To yourself? Um, I don't know. That's interesting. I'll have to look that up. Because like marriage vows and vows between relationships mm-hmm. or you've loaned me this, I pledge to give it back to mm-hmm. you. Though Those are not released with that Yom Kippur prayer. Oh, wow. Those are never released until they're fulfilled. Wow. Okay. There may need to be, you know, I mean, there people can extend some extra grace. And you can release someone from a vow. Mm-hmm. You can free them from Somebody it. You can had, say, you have but you have, person. yeah. You have, or somebody has to come in. This is where a kinsman redeemer. Uh-huh. Let's say, um, like we were talking about with the with the the thirty two dollar mm-hmm. fine, all that stuff. If that man does have someone that he could call on, and say, uh, you know, hey uncle, I don't like asking you for money at all, but I made a mistake, and this is the situation I got myself in. Um, will you please loan me the money? I I promise to pay you back. Mm-hmm with reasonable terms, but this is going to kill me. Right. That kinsman redeemer can come in and fulfill your vow on your behalf, free you from it. And then you are in a obligation to them. So, so the, the things we do to other people, because we live in community with them, unless they release you from it, you're expected to fulfill. And which in a sense makes the vows you make to other people, not that, not that it, I hate to say it, it makes it even more important than the vows you make to God, but God knows we're human. And God, it's kind of like when children make vows to us and we're like, I love your heart. Don't expect it, I know, but I'm not going to say that because I want to see what you do with this. But God knows that we're human and we go around doing this, you know, which is why Yeshua says, stop. <laughs> Just stop. God doesn't love you more when you vow to do something. And if you vow to do something and don't do it, you've brought judgment on yourself. If you don't vow and do it, that's righteousness. Right. 
sense. It makes more sense. And plus, if we do it to each, if we bow to each other and don't do it, that's not a good example to other people. Right, and it destroys relationship. Right, right. When we when we make promises and then whether we know it or not, whether we things change and we can't fulfill it and then it's a burden and well, people are human and they're gonna that's that's one reason growing up with my kids I never used to make them promises. Yes. And they try to corner me. Oh I know and I'm corner. like you're you're I'm not going to answer yeah. you. No, no. I'm saying I will tell you when I have the information. And then then when you do and then they don't expect it. And yeah. then it's just so much more to see yeah. the Facebook with George like, see that's fine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well and one of the things that that I want to toss out there just as kind of a, a side note on this um, as we wrap up is I think that this is where things like like credit cards fall mm-hmm. and and not saying that you can't have I mean we have for a long time we had no credit cards we now have one small credit card for when I travel mm-hmm. so that because um, so something's going to take credit card right mm-hmm. and and so and so that I don't um, Sometimes there are things that I'll be reimbursed for. So if I put it on the card and then I pay it when I'm reimbursed instead of it coming out of our family money um, and it's a better receipt. And I, I use the PayPal thing and they are really good customer service because if you buy something with PayPal, they protect your purchase. and oh, they, really? they Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just safer for online purchases. So, they, but, so we have a little card. So I'm not saying credit is evil, but... When you make when you make a purchase with credit, you are essentially vowing to pay that back. Exactly. And, and I that when I was younger. Yeah. I thought if I had a check that missed it, I right. could use it. Well and it's and it's also um we live in a consumer driven society and and there's a lot of, there's some good teaching out there and there's some bad teaching and there's mostly a, an absence of teaching. That's what in my family. Yeah. Is. It's just an absence of teacher an absence of understanding the consequences. Um, and at one point when we were, were facing some situations and, and I was saying, but God, what about you promised to, to meet our needs? And, and he said, you didn't obligate me with that purchase. I know. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, Oh, no, I didn't. Wow, that sounds arrogant. I didn't mean it that way, but that's what I was saying. Uh-huh. But God, I went out and ran up these bills. Why aren't you helping me pay them? And and the, on the opposite end, when we stopped using credit, for when we stopped using credit um, <coughs> as part of our life, mm-hmm. as part of like a regular part of our life, what was amazing is we started seeing more miracles. And I, I hadn't realized how many times we were using the credit card to meet needs yeah, that God, God wanted to meet. Yeah, and when God meets it, there's no debt attached. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Choose this day whom you'll serve. The money that holds you in captivity and bondage and you become a slave. Or serve God, he'll take care of all your needs. And it's a gift. Yeah. And when you start looking at it that way, you go, what am I doing with this credit card? Yeah. No sorrow added to that. You know, just the times that we, things would happen. There were, there were a few times where we go, oh, well, if we had a credit card, we could go fix this. But we didn't. So we waited. And then it either didn't need to be fixed because it wasn't really broken. Yeah. Or God provides this amazing thing. And we're going, thank God. But we weren't seeing those miracles when we were just going out. And doing it ourselves. Oh, we got a need. Let's go do it. Okay. Well, thank goodness we have this credit card. Yeah. That's what he showed me. His favor, his favor, well, is money 
can't try right. And and sometimes you know it's it was through stuff, and a lot of times it was through stuff that was better than what we could have afforded when we had credit. You know, mm-hmm. where where we were getting you know someone's hand me down that was way nicer than something we could have afforded on right. our budget. Right. Or, or was getting something way better than we thought we would, well, I guess we can go and do this. And, mm-hmm. and he would do something even and then better. And with remorse, too, because you know you got to pay it back. Right. There's, no, there's no pleasure in really. it. Right. Yeah. Right. Versus the Enjoy. even better thing with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And, and God's good that way. And that's, but that's the whole point of community also. Yeah. And, and when you're in community, then we can meet each other's needs and we can provide for each other. And, and it's not all financial. Sometimes, no. you know, sometimes God provides for your health care needs by you not getting sick. <laughs> sometimes he provides, you know, for your food. When I was in college and there were times where I didn't have any money for food, I had a little bit like a yogurt in the fridge and I'd eat it at breakfast and I'd go, okay, God, I'm trusting you to either send me food today or hold me over until I have food again. Every time that happened, I'd run into somebody around lunchtime who'd say, I haven't seen you for, can I take you to lunch and let's catch up? And I'm like, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, God. So, so it's, you know, God wants to do those things. He wants to take care of us, which going back to our, our Micah portion, God wants to bless us. And it's not enough to just say, oh, glory to God for this. It's what we do. Because then when we're in the position to take that person to lunch, do we? When we're in the position to help that person who's in need, do we pass it on? So let me go ahead and bless and and we're, we're finished up. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.